Okay. Um, it's lovely to be here again and to have the chance to speak with you. Um, let's just start by praying. Father God, we thank you for this chance to be together as the family of God. And we thank you for this chance to read the Bible and to listen to you. And Father, I ask that as we explore this passage, you would be with us and that the words that I speak would be yours, Father God. Amen. Um, I should say at the beginning, actually, that when I chose this passage to speak on, it's actually a passage that I really love. I didn't know that Harold was going to be speaking on it last week. Um, and um, so I think perhaps it's something that God really wants us to be thinking about and speaking to us about. Last time I spoke at Burlington, which I think was nearly a year ago now, I spoke about the prayer of Jesus uh, when he prayed for all of his disciples, including all the future believers. And we looked together at some of the truths that we could learn from almost just listening into that prayer. Sorry, I can hear that I'm echoing or doing something I shouldn't. Um, and so, and the Bible is full of prayers that we can really have the privilege of being able to listen into and also join in with. And I think prayer is particularly significant because if you think about it, we tend to pray about the things that matter most to us and the things that are really important to us. We pray about the things that concern us and the things that are really on our hearts. And so when we pray, if in honest prayer, it's really about um, sort of, ex- it's like um, opening a window to our soul and expressing the sincere desires of our, ho- of our soul. And so I think being able to read some of the Bibles, in, uh, some of the Bibles, some of the prayers in the Bible, and being able to listen into them is really valuable. It gives us a real glimpse into the soul of the people who are praying, into their priorities and into their relationship with God and their understanding of God. That's really, really true of the prayer of Jesus in John 17 when he prays for all believers. If you haven't had a chance to look at that passage recently, I'd really encourage you to go back and read it because in that passage, you read about how Jesus prayed for you because he prayed for all future believers and it gives you insight into the heart of God for you. But coming back to this morning, I want us to look together at one of the prayers of Paul in Ephesians. And I have to say that Ephesians is one of those books in the Bible that I find myself turning to really regularly over and over again. And it's one that's very special to me. And when you read Ephesians, one of the things that you'll notice if you sort of read the whole book is that there's a lot of prayer in Ephesians. And it's like being called an intercessory epistle, which really just means it's a letter about praying and particularly praying for other people. And in that respect, it gives us that insight into Paul's soul. And by listening into his prayers and hearing his concerns, we can learn a lot for ourselves. One of the things um, that you have to keep in mind when you're reading Ephesians is that Paul is very much writing this letter to the Gentiles. That was people outside the Jewish faith. To explain to them that Jesus had come not just as the Hebrew Messiah to reconcile the Jews to God, but to reconcile all people. And in doing so, he was seeking to establish this new family of God, a really different, inclusive community of believers. So in the first two to three chapters of the book, of the letter, 
Paul's explaining God's plan, this plan that he had to reconcile all humanity to him and establish this new kingdom. And in that, he's talking about his role in that because he had that very special commission from God to take his message to the Gentiles. And then in the later chapters of the book, he's very much talking about this new community that God wants to build, how it will look and how we need to be a part of that. And we can see, actually, if you just look, if you've got your Bibles open, back to chapter 2 and verse 19, um, where where he's coming from. And he says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So that's, that's how he's starting his letter. And then in the next chapters, he goes on to kind of talk about this community um, and how we can fulfill God's purpose. But if you just look into um, further back in chapter 3 at verse 10, Paul says about what this purpose God has. He says that it's God's intent. His intent was now, through the church, as he establishes this community, that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he, he, has, he knows what God's purpose is um, for the people that he's writing to. And um, then in the middle of the two parts of the letter, we get this bridge, which we're going to look at this morning. And it's this prayer of Paul's for spiritual growth. He's told his readers about God's plan and purpose. And in the next part, he's going to write about how once we're reconciled, we need to live as part of this family of God. But in between, we get this really quite short but beautiful, passionate prayer for spiritual growth. Because Paul knows that the only way that we can move from hearing the truth to actually living out the truth and entering as part of the family of God is through experiencing the spirit of Jesus empowering us from within. It's not something that we can do for ourselves. Yeah, when we, um, it's God's grace for us. Um, and he longs to come and work this process out with us. But we do need to cooperate with it. And I want us to look together this morning at this prayer and to see what we can learn about how spiritual growth happens and how we can pray, how we can pray for ourselves to continue growing, how we can pray for others, how we can pray for each other, and also how we can be praying for those people that we long to see come into this kingdom of God, those that we long to have as part of the family of God. So if we just start by looking at verse 14, which is where Paul opens this prayer, um, and he says this, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And there's actually a huge amount to take on board in just in this first verse. And I think the first thing that's really significant is Paul starts his prayer for this reason. Paul knows why he's praying. And it's to see the fulfillment of God's purpose to reconcile all people to him and build his kingdom, the church. 
And I think there's a really important principle of prayer here, and that's to seek to pray according to God's will. And you know, Jesus taught us that so clearly when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, and he said, may your will be done on earth as in heaven. So when we pray, we need to make sure that we're seeking to align our will with God's. And then Paul says something that we could almost miss. He talks about kneeling in prayer. And kneeling in prayer is something that's very familiar to us. And in some ways, we might even think of as being old-fashioned. But actually, at the time, it was radically different. Um, if you, the sort of gospel accounts of Pharisees, and Paul was a Pharisee, uh, when they went to pray, they stood to pray. So kneeling was something that was really different. And I think there's two things here that we can really take from this. And one is about earnestness in prayer. You know, when you kneel before somebody, you're showing a real passion and a real earnestness. And so Paul was praying very earnestly and very passionately for what he believed in. And also, it shows humility before God. He was kneeling before his God. He was being humble and he was being submitted. So I think just to kind of hold on to that idea of of when we pray, particularly when we're praying for others, about having that real passion and earnestness and desire to see God act and being humbled before God and just living in obedience with him. But Paul doesn't just speak about bowing before God. He speaks of our Father. And, you know, it just reminds us again and again of that Father heart of God. When we come to pray, we are coming to our Father. And throughout the Bible, through the Gospels and through the letters, listening to Jesus' prayers, listening to the prayers of the Apostles, we're reminded again and again that when we pray, we pray to our Father God. And Jesus told us that we could call him Abba. It's a really intimate, intimate term. So when we pray, it's an intimate conversation with our Father. But Paul picks up on this even further, and he talks about our whole family in heaven and on earth, taking its name from God. It's an incredibly inclusive statement. And it was actually very radical at the time because Paul, as I've said earlier, was writing to the Ephesians um, and there was a massive racial and cultural and religious divide between um, the Gentiles and the Jews and Paul was writing to address that. And so it was really important that he made clear that God was a father to all. And I think it really reminds us about how we need to be a united body of believers, that when we are, um, that as part of the Church of God, we need to be working together and pulling together. And actually, I was, um, when I was doing a sort of separate Bible reading this morning, um, looking at Colossians 3, and Paul talks there about how we need to be bound together with love, and that enables us to overcome our differences with each other and work together. So I think thinking, uh, um, sorry, because I've gone off track there, um, just thinking about um, being unified, being loving, being supportive of each other. But also, Paul, um, the, end, the New Living Translation, translates that verse differently, where he says, every family under heaven and earth. And I think that's a reminder to us, too, of how God longs to see everybody come into the community. And so I just wanted us to think this morning, 
Paul had this passion to see people coming into the family of God. And do we have that passion? And what does that passion look like in your life? To see people coming in to the family of God and to knowing that they have a God who longs to be their father and to really love them. So if we just kind of sum up what we can take away from this first verse, it reminds us about the need for earnestness in prayer. It reminds us that we need to seek to pray in keeping with God's will, that we need to be submitted to him. But also we have a confidence because when we pray, we approach our heavenly father. And we need to be thinking all the time about being a body of unified believers a united church, and with a passion to see others coming into the kingdom. So as we kind of take hold of that and we move on to look at the rest of the prayer, I sort of picked out from this four steps that Paul focuses on to sort of explain how spiritual growth happens or stages But I think as we'll see as we read, they're not kind of like steps where you reach the top and you've you've made it and everything's okay. It's an ongoing process as we keep pressing forward. And the four things that I want us to look together, um, the first is inner strengthening through the Holy Spirit, which um, enables us then to um, really welcome Jesus into our hearts. And as Jesus makes his home with us, so we become rooted and grounded in love. So we're going to look at that strengthening of the Holy Spirit about becoming rooted and grounded in love. And then the third step, which is kind of leading to a deep knowledge and experience of God's love. And then being filled to the fullness of God, ready to play our part in the family of God. And I think it's really interesting if you kind of look at these stages which Paul sets out, how it looks at the Trinity of God, how it's about the Holy Spirit working within us, it's about Jesus making his home in our hearts, and it's about us experiencing God's love, and through that becoming filled and ready to serve him. And I think also it's important to say that we could look at these four steps as something's just for new that new believers need to come go through as they come into the kingdom. We could look at it as something which we need to be praying for people that we long to see come in. And both of those things are true. But also it's an ongoing process within all of us, which hopefully we'll see as, as we look together. So if we look first at the first step, and if you look at verse 16... We see here Paul is praying that we might be strengthened in our inner being. So it all starts with God and with his grace. It's about his spirit at work within us. He is our power source and we need to seek to be constantly filled with God's spirit. And although it's about God's work in us, we need to make ourselves available to him and to plug into him. And it's very much what, like Simon was talking to us on Pentecost Sunday when he was talking about that need to constantly be filled with God and making ourselves available through prayer, through spending quiet time with him, through reading our Bibles, so that we can be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. And that he can do that, go through that process of strengthening us from within. And you know, Paul reminds us that we have these glorious, unlimited resources of God that are available to us if we will just submit to him and let him in. 
But then as the Spirit strengthens us from within, it's about a relationship with Jesus because he comes and dwells in our hearts. And Paul's choice of word here is really significant because the word that he uses in Greek for live is significant. There are two words that he could have used, and I apologize now because my Greek is awful and I'm sure I'm going to completely pronounce these wrong. But the first word um, that he could have used is parochio, something like that. And it means to inhabit a place as a stranger. So kind of a bit like, you know, if we go on holiday and we stay in a holiday cottage, we're living there, but we're not a master of that house, we're just staying. But the verb that Paul actually uses is katakeo, which means to settle down somewhere and take up permanent residence. So in his prayer, Paul is praying that Christ would settle down in our hearts and take up permanent residence. And if we think of that idea of staying in a holiday cottage and being in our own homes, in a holiday cottage we don't have authority over things, but in our own homes we have authority and we are in charge. So that idea of Christ dwelling in our hearts, taking up his permanent residence, he has authority there. And as our relationship with him grows and as we submit to his lordship, so that process of maturing can go on. Um, And John Stott put it like this. He said that Paul prays to the Father that Christ by his spirit will be allowed to settle down in their hearts and from his throne there control and strengthen them. So it's just about that idea of us letting Jesus in and taking up residence and letting him have authority there. And I think that that really helps us to see why this process of maturing is an ongoing process. As Christ enters our hearts, there's this process of inner strengthening as he goes on to build his home. And through that process, through him making his home in our hearts and through us having relationship with Jesus, so our roots grow down and we start to become rooted and grounded in love with this indwelling of Jesus in our hearts. And Paul summarizes it like this. He says that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. And I love those words rooted and grounded because they give a picture of real stability and depth and strength. And they point to a really secure identity in God. We are only able to stand firm and serve God when we're deeply rooted and secure in our identity as dearly loved children of God. And if we think about that image of roots again, roots going deep down into the ground, giving strength and foundation. But they do something else as well. They don't just give us a secure foundation, but when roots grow down into the soil, they take up the nutrients from the soil into the body of the plant or into the tree. And if we think of that soil as being God's love, as we become rooted and established in his love, we can absorb that love into our bodies. And as it comes, as we sort of almost like breathe in that love, so we're able to give that love out. And we're able to give it out to a hurting world that desperately, desperately needs to know love. 
And, you know, we always need to hold on to the fact that love is the defining characteristic of our faith. God loves us so much that he pursues us through his son. And then he asks that in return, we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And he asks that we love each other. And Jesus said something very powerful in John John chapter 16, when he said that actually it's our love, but it's by our love for each other that the rest of the world will know that we're his disciples. So that love is really, really central. But he asked something even more of us, not just that we were to love our neighbours, but that we were to love um, to love our enemy. We, it's a huge ask. And we can only hope to love in this way when we are rooted in God's love, drawing his love up through our roots and into our being. And how does that happen? How do we become that rooted, established, secure Christian, absorbing God's love and giving it out? Well, it's about looking back through those steps that we've looked at together this morning by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, strengthening us within by developing our relationship with Jesus as he dwells in our hearts so that we become rooted and established in love. And that experience of the love of God actually further empowers us and keeps us moving forward. It's that motivation. Paul says, may you have the power. There is real power that comes from knowing that you are loved by God and allowing that love to flow through you. May you have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses all knowledge. To start to grasp hold of this all-encompassing love and become empowered with it, to be infused with the love of God. And if we just let that image sink in, this love of God, which is beyond anything we can comprehend, it's wider and higher and longer, and it is beyond knowledge. And I think within that, Paul picks up something really important because he says, may you have the power. He wants us to experience the power of God's love together with all the saints. And there, there is something about doing this together, about experiencing the love of God collectively, about living together, about sharing our lives and our experiences, about worshipping and praying together, that really brings strength to this. And this love, which is so vast, it surpasses all knowledge. We are never going to fully grasp the depth of love God's love for us on this side of eternity. But I think it's really significant as well that it talks about God's love being so vast that it surpasses all knowledge. As a society, we rely so much on knowledge and understanding and constantly trying to push the boundaries of science and knowledge and to unlock the secrets of the universe and to understand them. And yet we're told so simply that just the love of God is beyond our knowledge and beyond something that we can comprehend. It's so huge. And this morning, actually, when people were praying um, for today's service, and they would... um, very much had an image of God speaking to us in a still, small voice and of how um, 
God wants us to look around at the beauty of creation to see him. And this enormous love of God, I, I, I think sometimes when we look out at the beauty of creation and we see the care of creation that God put with that love, just again reminds us over and over again of, of that, just that image of how great God's love is and how he longs to pour it out on us and how it longs to bring people into the kingdom. So when all of this comes together then, this inner strengthening through the Holy Spirit as Christ makes his home in our hearts, enabling us to become rooted and established in his love, and then as we draw that love up and into our being to be further empowered, Paul then makes an incredible request. He says that we may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. It's a really audacious request to be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. This God that we've been thinking about, whose love is so great we can't begin to comprehend it. Our all-powerful, all-loving, all-holy God that is beyond our ability to comprehend. And Paul's asking that we might be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm nowhere near there yet. And I think... And although, you know, we, when we're all, there's always going to be room for us to improve. There's always going to be room for us to be maturing. I think this shows us that God is expecting us to be growing daily. He's expecting us to be maturing. He's expecting us to be pressing forward to that final fullness that we will eventually know when we get to see Jesus face to face in heaven. And John Stock put it like this. He said, God expects us to be growing daily towards that final fullness as we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit into Christ's image from one degree of glory to another. It's an ongoing process throughout our lives. And this prayer of Paul shows us how it happens and how we can pray for it to be a reality in our own lives but also how we can pray for it to be in a reality of the lives of our families, in the lives of each other, and in the lives of those that we long to see come to know Jesus. But as we draw to a close this morning, I want us to remember that this was a prayer of Paul. And as he concluded his prayer, he said this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul believed that God would answer his prayer, even that audacious request to be filled to the measure of God. He believed that God can and will answer this prayer, and he reminds us of that power of God which is beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. And he reminds us also that that power is at work within us because we are strengthened through the Holy Spirit living in us, individually and corporately. So we can pray this prayer with confidence for ourselves and for each other and for those that we really long to see come into the kingdom of God. And we can seek to cooperate with the Holy Spirit within us and allow Jesus to dwell in our hearts 
so that God can release his power within us and enable us to press forward and to play our part in his purpose, to play our part in building the family of God, which, as we read in that verse earlier, is not just about having massive implications here on earth. It's about having an impact in the heavenly realms. It's how God wants to display his wisdom. And as we press forward, and as we think about this, we can give God the glory that he has chosen to love us and that we can really worship and thank him for that. And I wanted to just finish this morning. Um, Something that I do a lot is to use the prayers in the Bible and make them my own. And this particular prayer is very special to me and it's something that I have written out for each of my children, um, particularly for my daughter Emma who um, has a... Um, a lot of difficulties and has really been quite unwell for a long time and I pray that for her and I wanted us to finish today by making this our prayer and so um, I'm going to ask you to just join with me as I read this prayer and make it your own if you want to and not just make it your own but think of those other people that you want to pray this prayer for too. let's pray Father God we kneel before you from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name we pray that out of your glorious riches you would strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith And we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have that power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now, Father... To you who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within each one of us. To you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever.